Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens. And with me, my illustrious, sexy, beautiful man crush host. Man crush host? Man crush host. Ryan? No. Uh, Colin Smith. Uh, no, uh, Brian, uh, Colin Smith? I was going to say Ryan Reynolds. Oh, Seems like an o- yeah. obvious target for lust. That's why I, <laughs> I went there. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay, he's a, good. He's a handsome man. Colin, how are you doing? Uh, uh, nobody ever asked me that. I just did. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you for asking. I'm fine. It's a beautiful hump day. Ohio's actually pretty nice. Weather's been pretty good the last couple of days. This, you, wouldn't you agree? This is a weird start. I don't know. Uh, I'm not allowed out. <laughs> so weird. It's not allowed outside of my cubicle during daylight hours. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, my my vitamin D levels are dangerously low. Uh, we need to get you one of those uh, sun lamps that you put in the room with you. You know what I'm talking about? Uh huh. Yeah. Super yeah. seasonal effective. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Colin. Well, we have a pretty filled to the. What are you laughing? At? What was? Yeah. Just keep going. Good segue. Don't don't stop. <laughs> Don't look back. We Keep have going. A pretty good. We have a pretty filled to the brim uh, episode this week. Uh, lots of news stuff to talk about and open discussion. A few emails. I have a cry for help and media hot takes. And then we are going to end with a review of Unfriended Dark <laughs> Web. You wish. Uh, close enough. No. Um, upgrade. Oh. Surprising little movie, Colin. Well, I'm excited to talk to you about it. Um, but first. Colin has a special announcement. It's not really, man. It's it's the worst kind of special announcement. No, I mean I said it really happily, yeah, and it's not. I'm I don't not know. Happy about this. Well, my tenure at the Midnight Film Review, and maybe the Midnight Film Review itself, who knows, may be coming to an end here. Uh, unfortunately, my desire to, you know, survive and provide income for myself and my girlfriend is probably going to mean that this podcast needs to take a back seat for the next foreseeable five years, <laughs> foreseeably <laughs> five years. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting law school this fall, but if that weren't enough, I'm only doing a part-time law program and I'm going to be working full-time while I'm in law school. That really doesn't leave much time on the horizon to see a movie every week and then talk about it and record that discussion, unfortunately. Uh, So right now, the plan is to record an additional, I believe, five episodes. Was that counting today? No, today would be six. Okay, so yeah, an additional five episodes. Uh, We haven't, Brian and I haven't really worked through what comes next or if there is a way we can continue producing content for you Uh, honestly i'm pretty heavily in denial about anything changing but maybe this is the first step to making it real so we we don't know what's going to happen i mean again this podcast is really you know as much as i enjoy it and uh i you know i contribute something this is really Brian's baby and his labor of love. And without him, this nothing nothing would happen. He does, provides the facilities. He's invested all the money. He pays for the hosting. Um, he's done all the work on the back end. Uh, he, 
mixes, masters, and releases every episode. Handcrafted just for you, for your discerning ear palates. So this is this is really his thing. And if he wants to keep it going under the Midnight Film Review moniker, uh, he's going to be welcome to do that. So we're, we're just, I'm, not, I'm just not really sure right now. I don't know if we can find a way to keep delivering some sort of periodic content if we, you know, devote a weekend here or there. And part of the problem is I don't know what my life is going to be like uh, right. beginning August 7th. I, I mean, I may, I'm, yeah, yeah, especially the first year. And then since this is not a traditional program, I don't know if that means the first year and a half or two years for me. I don't know what the hell that means. But it's, something's going to change. And for now, we have a planned hiatus at the very least. So I would say... You know, I love you guys. This has been, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to me that this podcast has made it as far as it has. I agree. Uh, or at least that we've kept it running for as long as we have. Uh, and it's been great. And I really, really sincerely from the bottom of my heart, appreciate everybody who listens to us every week and everybody who just listens here or there or people who are listening to the first time, uh, Thank you for giving us a chance, and it's it's been an honor. And we will keep you apprised of any updates or future plans uh, as we figure them out. And if you have any suggestions or you'd like to throw anything on the table for us to consider, send us an email, midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you think. Should Brian, should Brian replace me? Uh, do you have any suitable candidates for there Brian to replace me with? Yeah, maybe I could travel the country doing a uh, like a American Idol style auditions. Yeah, who is both annoying, <laughs> <laughs> angry, and with a buttery smooth enough voice to replace me? The, uh, un- irreplaceable. I mean, at the, the, at the very least, I'll record some uh, record some. <laughs> get some captures of me saying media hot takes for you to oh, to yes. run so my so I can live on as part of the podcast even and well until you replace the segment entirely <laughs> I uh you know I don't know what the future of this holds I uh I didn't expect it to be uh as long lasting as it has I always in my head about I knew at some point you were going to have to go away to college and leave me behind um but you know you've been a real trooper, and I, I this has blossomed into something that um, it was it was kind of perfect. Like it was never, you know, we didn't have sponsors, we weren't making money. It wasn't something that like I felt like I had to do necessarily every week. It was a it's just fun. It's a hobby, and I get to see my friend, and we get to watch movies together. We need to get to talk about them. But there um, there's still there's still time left. There's five weeks, and um, I, I'm gonna in, enjoy these last five weeks as. I feel like I'm eulogizing you right now, but <clears throat> um, I'm sure our last episode will be emotional. I doubt that very much. <laughs> I'm incapable of emotion. That's not true. I'm an island. I'm an I'm and a rob I'm a robot island. <laughs> Don't say that too loudly. Michael Bay is still listening. Just there, there will be a movie. Uh, and there kind of already is. What is that movie? The uh, Mortal Instruments or whatever that um, the move, Cities oh, on yeah. Wheels. It's coming. What is yeah, that? Yeah, wait. We were seeing. Tra- was it teasers or was that full trailers for that? I, at least teasers. God, I, movies. Movies are so weird. 
Okay. They really are. So it, premier, 2020, it'll just show up again. Suddenly, it'll have a release date. <laughs> yeah. What movie was? What movie were we? Uh, we saw a trailer for, and you were like, "I feel like I've seen a trailer for this for like the last year." I don't know. YA. Yeah. Adaptation oh, yeah, number fifteen, X Men version. I don't even know. <laughs> All right, Colin. Enough of the bad news. <sighs> uh, get us get on to some even worse news. Okay, good. Um, so you uh, you. You and another friend actually texted me this, too, but I woke up to your text bright and early this morning of Jared Leto. <laughs> uh, the announcement that Jared Leto is going to be leading his own Joker movie, and he's going to be producing it. Uh, this comes on the heels of the announcement uh, about a, two months ago of a Todd Phillips joker movie which is all but confirmed uh joaquin phoenix yeah in the lead right yeah i think it's um it i don't think that uh i don't know if contract's been signed but he's basically been like yes i want to do this role it's going forward but warner brothers announced last fall that it was developing an origin tale from todd phillips uh but it says that that doesn't mean it's going to be the end of Letters, Leto's Joker. Rather, Phillips' film would fall under a new Origins banner that would be separate from the current cinematic DC universe. Yeah. So that's good. Let's, uh, well, don't worry, guys. Everyone who's worried about, you know, how bad the script is going to be. Well, there is no script, so <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't have to be concerned about that. We just have Jared Leto starring and producing in a Joker film. Basically what every DC fan has been clamoring for since Suicide Squad <laughs> released. Uh, and he'll be competing against... I don't need, I don't even... This is just so weird. I don't even know what to say to this. It's like DC is just... Consuming uh, itself? Yeah, I mean, maybe. And part of, part of me is like, this doesn't even matter because... That they're going to implode long before they they have the chance to <laughs> dump right. dump this on us. I mean, we have how many how many films in the, in the pipeline before this? Oh uh, well, just according to this article, and it's not even it doesn't even mention like that Aquaman movie that's coming yeah. out in November or in the Flash movie that's. <laughs> Maybe, maybe be, being yeah, made, who knows. maybe not. A Wonder Woman sequel. Yep. A Suicide sequel. Yeah. Uh, the Harley Quinn movie, a Birds of Prey movie. Yeah. Are we getting a, a cyborg film in uh, there somewhere? Supposed to. Supposed to. I don't. I mean, yeah. So just, this is like number six or seven on the DCEU production pipeline, and uh, yep, the <laughs> the train might derail and explode long before we have to uh, endure this. You mentioned it earlier off mic uh, when we were kind of just talking about the segment and. You've, you, I, have we ever experienced anything like this across any medium where a brand is doing this to itself? DC, I mean, there is no, no one is clamoring for one Joker movie, let alone two Joker movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. In, in different timelines under different banners, but both in the same media marketplace it's weird it's a weird thing it's uh, yeah this is i mean 
self self brand dilution is what I called it. Yeah. Uh, it just I don't even I don't know. I mean, think about this. I, last week I complained about Mowgli, the darker, more yeah. sinister Jungle Book story. Uh, but that those are two completely different companies, uh, two different production houses, uh, with a property that is in the lexicon for it's old. It's an old story, you know. It's been told many times over. Uh, we I mentioned Robin Hood. You know how many different Robin Hood movies are there? Only one, directed by Ridley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Star- Wait, no, only one. Let me do that again. Starring Kevin Costner. <laughs> there you go. Uh, oh everyone, man! Everyone loses in, uh, yeah, in right. Robin Hood films. But I mean, it's like I I I don't even know what to say about this. You nobody else owns this property. Nobody else can make a Joker movie. You don't need to make two. Like what? I mean, it's like they they thought, hey, you know what's a good idea? Uh, instead of making uh, a a really bad Batman movie, we forgot about the Batman movie that they're making. They're supposed to be making. That are they still making that? I don't know. Remember, Joss Whedon was supposed to do a Batwoman movie or Batgirl oh, movie well, too. Oh, that got canceled. And that guy, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, it's all over the place. Or maybe he just left. Who knows? Yeah, whatever. What is happening? The, I mean, the, but this has been the mo for DC and Warner Brothers, really since after the Batman vs Superman. Mm-hmm. It's just been all these grandiose plans and. Barely, barely keeping it together for one film release from one film release to the next, with the exception of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, really, I feel like that was they caught lightning in a bottle. I just feel like it was the <laughs> just a perfect storm. Like uh, I feel like they probably did everything they could to make that movie awful, and somehow it it they fought through the the Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot made it work. You know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this, I, so I'm just going to mention this, we have to go on this, but, and this comes on the heels of today, DC Entertainment President Diane Nelson announced she's leaving Warner Brothers. She <laughs> get, probably was like, you guys are making two Joker movies? I'm out. And one of, yeah, get out while you can. <sighs> right. Be- before the fire consumes you and your career. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, what a, what a shit show. Complete shit show. Um. I don't know, anything else you want to say? Or do no, let's move, move on to the next no one? more of this. Let's go. Um, so much to my father's dismay, uh, it appears that I'm. I mean, who knows? I'm guessing the Walking Dead is not long for this world. Um, lead character Rick Grimes, played by Andrew Lincoln, uh, was announced that he will only be in six. Spoiler alert: six episodes next season, uh, and will be written out of the show. Um, this comes on the heels of, I can't remember the Chandler, uh, Chandler or something. The, the the character who played Carl being written out of the show this year. Uh, he chose to leave. We are not. This will be the ninth season, Colin. Um, oh, you, you mean Coral? Coral. Yeah. You Coral. Coral. Um, also, in this article that I'm reading, um, it also says that Norman Reedus has asked for twenty million dollars. Uh, it doesn't say. It says a twenty million dollar deal. I'm guessing. Well, who's not. who's the last female lead left? She's uh, out oh, yeah, too. Yeah, Lauren Co- uh, uh, Lauren Cohen, who plays Maggie. Yeah, is also uh, six episodes and done. Six episodes and done. So, um, your favorite television show that no one really likes but still watches is looks like it's winding down after uh, a, a long run at the top. Uh, we've seen. I mean, we've seen 
let's see, season five, I think it topped out at like 17 million viewers, and it's been a pretty steady fall since then. We've watched this show ride the sweeping trendiness of the zombie fad yeah. in pop culture from the the before the wave even crested from from a surge into now just nothing <laughs> yeah, just right. absolutely driven into the ground nobody cares uh and good riddance but it, some of it was fun while it lasted i mean look i love me some left for dead left for dead too solid mm-hmm. games yeah uh but this show was never good, and I don't get it at all, uh, really. Yeah. Uh, I, tr- I, tr- I remember watching the first episode as it aired and being like, well, that was okay. Mm-hmm. And then the second episode, I just couldn't even sit through it. Um, it was, who wants to watch a zombie melodrama? Well, apparently America is right. the answer. 17 million people, that's who. Unreal. Uh, as the horse appears to be... Ch- Hacking on a hawking on a bone. bone. Um, you know, here's the thing, Colin. I, I've hate watched this show a long time. My father adores the walking. My, my dad. My dad's the person who wants to watch a Walking Dead uh, television show. He loves the show. Um, and man, I'll tell you what. This last season, it was rough, man. Like I watched it, and it was in the background. It wasn't something I was doing something else while I was on, just so I could you know have some kind of idea of what happened there were a few episodes where i just read synopsis of the of the show because i just couldn't do it and um the thing is honestly i felt like this season was one of the stronger seasons in like the past three years um from what i saw um jeffrey dean morgan is a terrific actor uh and but the character of negan was just so it was it, it just was ridiculous like they they dragged out this character's arc to places where I just, it was ridiculous. Like the amount of time they spent building this character up and stretching it out um, for the payoff was just, it was bad. It was bad. Um, If you hear any crunching in the background, that's my horse literally hocking on a bone. So um, sorry about that. Anyways, uh, not going to miss the walking dead. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there. I mean, there's gotta be at least one of you out there that watched this show, right? I really hope not. Let me know if you're sad. You bad? You sad? You mad? You feeling bad? I, you know, you should you should be sad if you've invested all this time just to watch this show fizzle out like this. I mean, just That's a... just all these people who have been like, I don't know, I just like I the it's really the gambler's fallacy has kept this show alive. <laughs> That's my no the sunk cost fallacy. That's my theory. Okay, people who are like, I've already lost a year yeah, of my life. Yeah. To, like you know. 80 however many hours watching this show and <laughs> you might as well I might as going. well keep going because what if it gets better I've already come so far and I mean that's what you're describing to me not not a reason to watch a TV show huh. no you're right it's that's, not. that's when you step away and you wait for somebody else to tell you that hey it got better and then you can <laughs> you decide go, yeah. whether or not to, to get back on the horse but uh I've there is not enough suspension of disbelief in the world to get me through this show. <laughs> this the, I remember watching watching an episode and just annoying my friends because I would laugh at how absurd things were. Yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah. I don't get it at all. But uh, 
doesn't matter anymore, it seems like, because death knells are sounding. <laughs> so this this just in, I just got a notification from my Apple News. Um, two, two bits, of, I mean, so this is breaking news. One, a uh, third Legally Blonde movie is in the works with Reese Witherspoon. And two, uh, Iceman will fly again. Val Kilmer joins the Top Gun sequel. So th- this is breaking news right here, Colin. Thank God. We were, I mean, you were worried if he was going to be back, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's look, it's not a Top Gun movie and without the Iceman, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, Colin, let's talk a little bit about the box office. Um, uh, where to start? So, Deadpool and the Avengers uh, have been cleaning up this summer. Um, Deadpool 2 is slightly uh, behind the pace of the first movie, but... Yeah, which was, I think, was surprising to both of us. Yeah, yeah, it's... You know, at least the first sequel... A lot of times you see it in, like, a trilogy. The third movie won't do as well as the first two, but almost always the second movie outpaces the first, and uh, it's definitely not the case, Colin. Well, and here's the thing. We're, we're only three weeks in. The original ran 18 weeks... The film only needs $120 million more, both international and domestic combined. Just total, $120 million more to take it. But I'd say there's a chance that it doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot. I mean, there's not a lot. I wouldn't say a lot of movies coming up that's going to fight for it. But it's going to get pretty crowded uh, pretty soon. You're going to have you know Jurassic World and Ant-Man and Wasp later on, sucking it up some of that, that maybe that dough. I, I would say, yeah, it <laughs> oceans eight. Eh, I don't, I don't really, <laughs> the thing, I don't really see any films competing because it's, it's an R rated action film and it's an R rated action comedy. And do we have any other R action Oh. films in the pipeline i don't really think we do so it yeah at a certain point we could see just some kind of trickle in steady returns for people who are like hey we never saw that the first one was funny let's go see that um mm, that's good I, point. I don't i feel like you don't have to have the same level of investment to be interested in deadpool that you do let's say the mm. avengers film or just the Avengers film. That's all. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> even Jurassic World, I guess. I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, investment I, in seeing Chris Pratt take his shirt off. Yeah, there uh. you go. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I think that there's a. I don't. That's a. That's a good question. I, I feel like you definitely don't have need to have seen the first one, and it's not like there. It's building on this. I mean, any of the inside jokes and the stuff that you're gonna miss if you don't, if you didn't, if you don't know those, you're not gonna get those by just consuming a ton of other media. You know what I'm saying? Like the inside jokes in Deadpool, you're not missing something if you don't get them. Does that make sense? The, the movie's not built off of previous knowledge necessarily. Yeah. Um, like like Avengers is. You know, I've heard people say like I can't go see the Avengers because I haven't seen the last two movies. Um. But that comes back to, man, Deadpool edged out Solo internationally this week. Solo is struggling. Uh, is What does this mean for Star Wars? Well, I, I think we, 
we and we mentioned we we did a good job of kind of talking about the potential areas of or potential causes of a lackluster box office opus box office box office performance last week opus yeah there you go uh so i don't know how much we need to rehash i think the coverage as as far as you know film journalism has kind of started to the narrative has has coalesced into blaming uh marketing yeah and i honestly i'm i'm willing to accept that because that is something we mentioned uh we felt like there was a distinct lack of obvious marketing push especially compared to rogue one yeah um which i mean it was was clear Yeah. yeah they they really pushed it and we did not we didn't experience the same thing and maybe that had to do with um what the other thing that I haven't seen as much talk of, but I just, I don't know how this couldn't be the big factor is the, the release window, moving it to compete with Deadpool and Avengers yeah, um, and not pushing the PR campaign beforehand. I just, and that's, but then again, that's part of marketing. So yeah. I, I really feel like that's probably where the problem is. Um, I mean, I definitely didn't feel the buzz. I mentioned this leading up to it. Like, I didn't feel the buzz for this movie the way I did the other movies. No, absolutely. And I didn't feel like uh, I, I didn't feel like other people did either. There were people who were probably excited to see another Star Wars movie, but I think that when the space is so crowded, like you you mentioned, you have to set yourself apart and. Uh, this could have been. I mean, honestly, the thing is, like, this movie is a lot different than those other movies. It's different than Deadpool. It's different than Avengers. Like, if you know, it's not like it's a superhero movie where it's the same thing, or it's not like it's a rated R comedy where it's the same thing. It's a totally different thing. It's a space western, uh, you know, heist story, and uh, it's enjoyable. I don't. I. I mean, I feel like. Uh, I feel like that the marketing didn't do it any favors, and I. I just. I. I honestly feel like this release date. Uh, was a mistake. Yeah, and I we haven't looked at uh, haven't looked at holiday release schedule for this year. I am really curious. Maybe maybe if we get a chance during a break, I'm really curious what this would have run up against. Why there was such a push to get it out early? Uh, uh, yeah, well, I know. I mean, we we just had a Star Wars film five months ago, and I'm not yeah, I'm not really right. concerned about fatigue, but. No, you're right. Just why? Why do this? Uh, what are you dumping it for? Uh, but it. So back to I guess broader box office discussion. I I was kind of opining earlier that I felt like Avengers: Infinity War was not. Maybe I didn't perceive it having the same impact that some of these big mm. Marvel intergenerational team-up films do right and it turns out that was totally wrong (laughs) yeah Uh, just on so many levels (laughs) it's already already number four highest grossing film of all time um it's a hundred million dollars away from taking force awakens uh to be to move into the number three slot and domestic that's international it's number six right now black panther's sitting at number three uh, but it only needs fifty-five 
ish million dollars to take that. So it's it's early enough. I would be surprised if it doesn't move into the number three all-time domestic gross. Uh, I don't see it. I just the Force Awakens, man. That number is going to be. That was a monstrous number. That was. A, it's going to be hard to to touch that, and it's just even so much far ahead of uh, Avatar. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, heck, there. I, I guess it's possible it could even take Avatar. I just. Uh, I don't know. I see that being unlikely, but we'll see it again. It's going to be a slow August. It's got a time. It's got yeah. time. That's uh, for sure. I mean, there's, there, there's, you know, they're going. It's going to get a bump when Ant Man and the Wasp come out too. That's the thing is people are going to want to go back and see those movies together. It's going to play. Those two movies are going to play off each other. I guarantee it. Um, it wow, could we have seen the biggest movie of all time this summer? That that would be crazy. I I mean I don't think we're gonna get there, but uh, we, I mean, d- dude, since we've been doing this, we consistently see movies that end up mm-hmm. put, and it's weird that the same company produces almost all of them. <laughs> uh, not right? weird, yeah. So and but again, like this, the opening weekend was really strong domestically, um, but not. Not in the same way that, you know, some of its other competitors were. And I don't know. Maybe that's a... Well, just kidding. It had, a, it had a, an insane opening interna- opening international. And maybe that's the difference. Um, I mean, yeah. Oh, actually... Oh... Uh, what? What's going on, Colin? Again, this is just my perception. Hi, biggest opening weekend. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I, I did know that. I it broke a ton of records. I I, I guess I was. I, I mean, it broke almost every record there was opening weekend. I didn't. So I thought it was. I thought it was number two. I didn't realize it. W- it took Force Awakens mm-hmm. um, by by ten million, a little under ten million. Yeah. All right. Well, just kidding. Yeah, I guess the hype has been so strong that nobody even nobody's even surprised anymore. That's probably where my perceptions are. Um, it's weird. Before we move on to emails, Colin. Yes. Um, I have some more breaking news. Oh no! You ready? Yeah. Um, this is kind of personal for me. You ready? Yeah. Damian Lewis, Dakota Fanning, and drumroll, Luke Perry, <laughs> join Quentin Tarantino's Sharon Tate drama. Very cool. Uh. I might, I might have to uh, make some phone calls on this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyways, all right. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's. Uh, Colin, how can people who listen to this show um, celebrate the fact that I'm leaving? Nah. Well, come on. No, I was gonna say share their letters of grief. Type out a laudatory email congratulating Brian's and send it. <laughs> To midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. That's midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Well, Colin, this week we got two emails. Um, actually, we got three because Drew sent two. But I'm going to read the first one. Uh, and it's from our old friend, Rob Bob. He says, Brian's... Well, let me just say, this is perfect. Uh, this is a perfect email because uh, we can talk about our experience at the theater this <laughs> 
past week. Should we say? I mean, save it. And he talks. Or is it? Yeah. He, no, maybe not. Yeah, okay. go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. So the Robert. title of this email is stuff and things. Brian's, Colin, and fellow Midnighters. Bad movie experience. I sat next to a very large woman when I saw Deadpool 2, which I liked better than you guys did. It was in a theater where you can order food, and I saw I saw her eyeballing the fried chicken on the menu, and was uh, was gripping was griping that she would gripping uh, grip that she would get a big plate of fried chicken, slurp on it during the movie. But to my relief, she did not do this, so it was not the worst movie experience. The worst movie viewing experience was when I saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It was in Chinese with English subtitles. A man brought his four-year-old kid who couldn't read, and he read all the subtitles out loud to this kid. It was pretty distracting and obnoxious. Stay real, yo. Rob Bob, sent from my iPhone sweating from the heat. That's a, a live dubbing experience. Wow. Yeah. What is that? No, actually, it's it's not really because... Why would you bring a kid to that movie, though? That movie is not... Regardless, even if they could read, even if they were like 10, I don't think... That's, that's, yeah, that's not even... So Americans bring their children to age-inappropriate movies where there is just horrific violence. <laughs> right. But Crouching Tiger is a not that kind of film. Everybody loses in that situation. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're not even living up to your potential as a bad and considerate right. parent. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's a, that's a weird one. I mean, should we talk about our movie? Yeah, experience? I mean, Brian, you're a shit magnet, man. I just like I don't look. I don't believe in luck. <laughs> I don't believe in curses. With that being said, you are cursed. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe ending this podcast is a good yeah. thing. Maybe I should just avoid the theater for the next two years, five years, however long you're going to be away. I mean, it'll life will find life finds a way. Life life finds a way. Uh, we're sitting in in the theater. It's pretty empty, and <laughs> an entire I guess I guess they must have been, it must have been like a boys JV tennis team. Yeah, comes into the theater, uh, and for this <laughs> this movie, it's unreal. Yeah, uh, and they're just I mean it could have been worse. Like I know, I certainly. I was never the one acting out in public, but I had friends that were sure. way, way worse than that. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you did too. Yeah, Because we, we were just, we were real fucking cool in high school. Right, you yeah. Know, you could tell. Yeah. Um, but they were still annoying teenagers, loud and talking and inconsiderate. And one of them had a laugh Ugh. like a like a fucking hyena <laughs> and i'm not even exaggerating i couldn't reproduce the noise if i wanted to i wanted to record it it was fascinating <laughs> i couldn't tell if he was just doing it on purpose or if that was his actual laugh i just i i mean if he if it's not on purpose he's done it too many times and it's gonna stick now it's just he's yeah. conditioned himself uh yeah like it was like a weird loud hyena laugh uh, mm-hmm. Yep. Bizarre. And they were just talking at levels that it just it was unnecessary. Like if you're whispering, like I get it. Whatever you're, you're gonna be. You're bored of the trailers. Whatever. And that that was my biggest thing. Is like I didn't want to be that guy to go find somebody that works there and have them yell at these kids because they weren't. You're, you're right. They weren't being like they weren't being complete assholes. And there was a lot of it was during the trailers. 
But as the movie started, someone else told them to be quiet, and they continued to talk through the first 10 minutes of the movie. And uh, I was really close to going down there and confronting them and telling them to shut the fuck up. But I was like, I'm going to give it, and I just was like, be quiet. I mean, I said it a little bit louder, but like... And I, I don't... They were pretty much quiet after that, I feel like. Yeah. It, I feel like more has to do with the movie picking up and actually starting than me <laughs> yelling at them in my high, squeaky voice, but... <sighs> I was really distracted for the first bit of the movie. It took me a while to get myself back into the movie after that. It's hard, man. Um, it, it takes you out of the film because... I think we're both the same way. You just, you get so frustrated. You're so angry and you can't concentrate on what's happening and immerse yourself, which is the whole reason that having that huge screen and Mm -hmm. being in darkness and great sound is, can be so powerful. Uh, And other people are the bane of that. So, yeah, I would have, I would have much rather um, had that experience though than if, there was a woman or man eating fried chicken beside me. Yeah. Uh, so that's true. But, uh, Rabob, I mean, she didn't really eat the chicken. So yeah, man, let it leave, leave her be leave her, leave her alone. <laughs> chicken, fried chicken on a, on the bone in a, in a theater just seems weird anyways, but all right. So <clears throat> our regular contributor, uh, doing, Lots of work. Doing double duty this week. Drew Mascarelli. Mascarelli. Yeah, he's alive. Drew's alive. Uh, subject, unfriended. Dark web. Wait, I think you should read the other email. I sent okay. them backwards. Okay, just Sorry. kidding. Uh, <laughs> regular contributor, Drew Mascarelli. Uh, subject, action point and anticipated releases. Howdy, howdy ho, midnighters. Um. Seeing as, as nothing good is out in theaters right now, I decided last Sunday morning that I would go give Johnny Knoxville's action point a shot. Upon entering the lobby of the cinema, I saw a line about five people deep at the box office. This is when I sobered up, realized what I was about to do to myself, <laughs> turn around, and went home. All in all, it was a trip well spent. <laughs> I know I have a reputation for self-punishment, but if there were any half-decent films in theaters right now... I don't think I would have even for a second considered seeing Action Point. The release schedule looks pretty bleak, too. Below, I've listed a couple of upcoming films I'm actually looking forward to seeing, and I'm wondering if there is anything coming up that you guys are genuinely excited for. Uh, And his list is Hereditary, Eighth Grade, American Animals, Uncle Drew, not actually, but I do own a pretty slick Uncle Drew promotional sweatband, (laughs) The Black KK Klansman, Black K Klansman. We saw each other for that. The Black Klansman, I guess. Uh, White Boy Rick. <laughs> oh, yeah. And sorry to bother you. Ta-ta, Drew Mascarelli. Um, let me just say, I, I feel like, one, I feel like Drew should have seen Action Point because I feel like he is our version of Johnny Knoxville. Kind of. I, I don't know. I feel like Johnny Knoxville, I feel like that film was probably pretty harmless. Right? Well, I just mean the self-punishment aspect. Oh, no, yeah. I know what, what you mean. What Johnny Sorry. Knoxville puts himself through, Drew does for us. It's it's true. He does. He, I mean, going to see Fifty Shades Freed, that was uh, <laughs> like. And those notes. the oh, Like volunteering notes. to go to the front, you know. He's, he's Eric Bana. And, and the end of Black Hawk Down, yeah. just get some water, 
re replenish ammo stocks and get back out there in the field because god damn it somebody's got to do the dirty work <laughs> that's drew um now i was just gonna say i yeah i mean have you seen any any reviews i haven't honestly looked at any reviews I just i feel like it 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 is it's the film is just a vehicle for Johnny Knoxville to fuck himself up, right? It yeah. looked so contrived, but not in a takes itself seriously way. It's this it's like it's the saving summer camp movie we all saw in the eighties. For uh, sure. Yeah. It's, it's got a nineteen percent on Ron Tomatoes, by the way. Oh yeah, that's uh, pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, I don't know. I, I could still see it being kind of harmless stupidity. Uh, just without the edge that... 38 Metascore. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, Drew, you didn't need to do that to yourself. Uh, it's certainly not something I would pay money for. That's, that <laughs> no, is true. No, that's true. Yeah. M movie Pass, maybe. You know. Yeah. Uh, if I was, like, stuck, if it was really hot out, my AC didn't work in my house, and I needed somewhere to go, and I would go, to, go see that. Super weird. When did that ever happen? Like, two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Colin. All right, um, yeah the the release summer release schedule we looked oh, at right, it too yeah. is is just really bad. It's uh, it's, it was front loaded this year, man. Everything happened before the Fourth of July. Yeah, it's what I mean. What happened to like? <laughs> there aren't even any big summer blockbusters coming out. Jurassic World, that's it. That, yeah, and then August is just barren. It's it's bad. Um, but yeah, we're we're looking forward to Hereditary and Eighth Grade. Although I don't think. It's right now. It's slated for a late July release date. Um, American Animals, uh, maybe. Uncle Drew, the Black Black Klansman. I'm thinking that could be Spike Lee's big return. Well, return. I mean, I don't think Spike Lee ever left. I think, but his big return to like box office success mm -hmm. or popular culture. I don't think he's ever stopped making films, that's, no, like that's... good films or films that have merit. Good, or, good point, yeah. Uh, I just think he's, Hollywood has put him in a box and relegated him. Right. Um, and I think this could be a film that escapes escapes that uh, kind of niche that he's been painted into. Um, so I'm, I'm excited that I, to see that it looks interesting and funny and uh, probably pretty painful. And so. yeah, I, and to be honest, I'm, I agree. All those movies are, those are movies I'm genuinely excited for, but uh, you left two off the list that I think that we are sleeping on. One is skyscraper starting the rock <laughs> and the other is the Meg. I'm just saying. All right. We, so we saw the trailer for the Meg and it looks like everything it needs to be mm -hmm. for us to be excited for the Meg. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, so those are two movies that uh, I'm looking forward to this summer. <laughs> uh, Jason Statham, we don't deserve you. <laughs> it's true, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the other day about Crank. And uh. for some reason, when he's in a diner with Amy Smart, coming clean about his uh. criminal past and just... I don't know why I think I thought it was so funny. And it's still one of my favorite lines in a movie. <laughs> Babe, you know how I told you I make video games for a living. 
actually I kill people. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Oh, Uh, Jason. Oh, Jason Statham. Only you. All right. uh, So we also heard, we got a second email from Drew uh, on Monday. Subject, unfriended dark web. So after I sent my last email, I took a closer look at the release schedule for the summer. And on July 20th, there's a sequel to the 2014 horror movie, Unfriended. Coming out called Unfriended Dark Web. Here's the synopsis. In a world. No, I'm just kidding. When a 20-something... Wait, hold on. Let me... I have to find the real horror voice. I don't know. You're fine. Keep going. My throat's been kind of weird today. When a 20-something finds a cache of hidden files on his new laptop, he's thrust into the... There there we go. I'll just do the cheesy one. He's thrust into the deep waters of the dark web. From the makers of Unfriended, this thriller unravels in real time, entirely on a computer screen. A warning for the digital age. (laughs) Is it? Holy shit, I haven't been this ironically excited for a movie since Charlie Sheen's 9-11. Oh my god. That... Charlie Sheen's 9-11. That was a thing. We should use that to describe things. Yeah. This is like like Charlie Sheen's 9-11. Like, what's worse, what's worse than 9-11? Oh, Charlie Sheen's, Sheen's 9-11. 9/11. <laughs> for sure. For sure worse than 9-11. <laughs> Yeah, so the first joke I made was I remember when I saw this movie and it was called Fear.com. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I love, I just love people's portrayal of Hollywood's portrayal of the dark web and the dark web, what it is and how you access it and what people do there. Well, you know and, what, Drew? Uh, the funny thing is, we actually saw a trailer for that this weekend. We did. And I was telling Colin, like, it's not available online. Like, you can't get it on YouTube. It hasn't been released. Uh, so we're in a special club right now of people who have actually seen a trailer for Unfriended Dark Web. And I will I will say to you, it is worse than you could possibly imagine it being. If you have saw the first Unfriended movie, like I have, and it got mildly okay reviews, uh... You saw the first Unfriended movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it at home. Um, kind of like a second second screen type thing. Um, not, it's not like a good movie. I wouldn't like brag. I'm not bragging about seeing that. For, but it's not like it's not like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Uh, this trailer makes the new one look like the dumbest thing ever. How this got... Oh, man. It is... It, even the CGI in the trailer was so ridiculous. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know what to say. The only thing is, I don't think it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen because Blumhouse knows exactly what they're doing, which is low effort, yeah, pandering to dumb millennials looking for a horror flick or a date flick. And they shoot it on a 50 cent budget and get wide enough distribution that they're almost guaranteed to make money. Like it's 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 You're not right. stupid at all. It's You're it's right. it's just this is I looks like the probably the lowest effort. Although what was the we say that, but there have been some really fucking shitty ones. The <laughs> Bye Bye Man. Oh yeah. I don't. Yeah. This looks like a better movie than the Bye Bye Man. Uh, Let's be honest. Uh, well, as far uh, just I mean I guess plot. I don't know. Like I just <laughs> the it's called the Bye Bye Man. Okay. <laughs> don't talk about the plot. That shouldn't even be the working title for a film. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
the bye bye man. <laughs> End of discussion. Don't say his name three times. Oh my god. Uh, okay, Colin, you ready to move on? Yeah. Let's get let's into some media hot takes. I almost said movie hot takes. Thanks, thanks to everybody. Thanks to Drew and Rob, Bob, uh, and please send us some emails. Uh, you might, your window may be closing or maybe not. This could all be a publicity stunt. <laughs> Stop. We lie to you all the time. Stop. Send us some emails. Midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. And we're back, Colin. Media hot take time. Media hot takes. I was trying to think of the 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 Westworld theme. Oh. But I couldn't. That's... I couldn't get there. That, yeah, I'd say that's a rough one. I, I can only get the ending in there. Well, I, I knew it. Yeah. Anyway, I would say spoiler alert. I'm gonna be talking to you about Westworld, Game that's... of Thrones, <laughs> America. <laughs> <laughs> but not really. Oh man, that was so, fun. Colin, you you mentioned you've been watching season one. I really enjoyed season one, especially the last few episodes of season one. Um. So, I was super excited for season two. Yeah. Like, I was, like, I couldn't wait. And I felt like, oh, you know what? Maybe this is the show to take us past Game of Thrones. This will be a good fill-in for Game of Thrones. <sighs> and maybe I'm in the minority here. I, that's why I kind of want to do this. Um, this is an exercise to see what our fans with the Midnighters, fans of the show, fans of Westworld, think about this new season. Because... I'll be honest with you. Uh, I haven't watched the latest episode, which is called Les Escorches. Um, but I am fucking lost, Colin. I do not know what's going on in this show anymore. There are so many timelines. There are timelines within timelines. There are timelines on my head. There are timelines on my feet. I don't. I can't keep any of these characters straight. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know where they're going. I don't know what the goal of this show is. And... I guess my whole point is I, I need somebody to help me because I, I legitimately do not understand the show. And not in a way of like, oh, I don't understand David Lynch's work or, you know, uh, this is super esoteric or this is really artsy. To me, I just – this the plot does not – I don't understand the plot of this show. It doesn't make any damn sense. Maybe you should have been paying attention then. I, I You know, I've thought about rewatching episodes and then I'm like they're an hour long and if, if you can't – if I can't figure this out, here's the other thing too, is like, I listen to podcasts. I listen to two podcasts that coincide with Westworld and they try to explain to you what's going on. And like, I've kind of given up on those because like, I don't feel like they know what's going on. You know, I just, who's a Cylon. Who's not a Cylon. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, man. So I, I'm just curious. I'm just putting a call out about the bat signal, so to speak for all the midnighters. If you're watching Westworld season two, let me know what you think. Explain it to me. Give me some feedback. Am I missing something? Is this like great t television and I'm just too dense to grasp it? Maybe that's the case. Um, yeah, I. you know, you're you're watching season one right now. And yeah. this isn't a spoiler. There's, um, Well, maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say anything. But uh, like there's lots of timelines. Um, and I think it's pretty obvious to pick up on the first season. Um, like the internet picked up on it really soon. It's not like the show doesn't tell you, but the internet picked up on it like way in the beginning that there are multiple timelines. 
and they took this novel idea and instead of saying like that worked really well for season one um we're gonna just have a straightforward story that we're telling now they doubled down on it and they it, it just man it it's confusing it's it really is confusing so yeah you keep watching Westworld because maybe you can fill me in and um everybody else let me know what you think if i lost it am i dumb email me to those does the answer to that question have anything to do with westworld yeah find out next time (laughs) there you go um all right you ready to review some upgradage almost yeah the funniest side so after like a couple weeks ago i i sat down with my girlfriend i was like all right look i want to watch a new show look here listen so we're gonna watch i want to watch atlanta or i want to watch barry and that's how we ended up watching Westworld. What? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Oh, wow. I just, okay. I don't, it's, it's fine. It, it ended up fine. You know what? Work your way there. You know what? Happy, get there. happy medium. Compromise is the foundation of me not getting to watch the TV shows I want. <laughs> she would like Barry. Elena might be a little bit out there for her, but I could see her liking Barry. Oh, the bones and little. Yeah. All yeah. right. Uh, let's, uh, let's review Upgrade. We'll be right back with the review of Upgrade. We're back, Colin. Uh, review time. Upgrade. S- side load. So, side load. Uh, so, all right. So the IMDb page says, set in a near future, technology controls nearly all aspects of life. But when Gray, a self-identified technophobe, has his world turned upside down, he his only hope is an experimental computer chip. And I left out a word there because I don't want to give away too much. Um, this movie was written and directed by Lee Wannell. Wannell? 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 Uh, I don't know if that's, that's correct how you say that. I don't know. Uh, he directed Insidious Chapter 3, which uh, I didn't see. And uh, he has written Insidious The Last Key, The Mule, Cooties, Insidious, all the Insidious movies, the Saw video game. There was a Saw video game? Why not? Uh, Dead Silence, Saw 3, Saw 2, oh, and Saw 1. So... He is one of the Saw creators. Did not know that. So Lee Wannell wrote and directed this movie. Um, this movie stars Logan Marshall Green, uh, Richard Anastasius, Anastasius um, Michael M. Foster, Betty Gabriel, which you probably knows her from other Blumhouse films. She's been in a lot of different Blumhouse films, Harrison Gilberton and Benedict Hardy. Are, I mean, that's pretty much all the main characters. Uh, this is a real, this actually is a small cast of characters. Is it, isn't too, too deep. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I'm really interested to see your, to hear your review of this movie. We kind of talked a little bit about when, when we left, but um, what'd you think of it? I thought this is probably the second and at least as far as we've seen or we're aware of the second special film from Blumhouse. I don't think this is a, a great film. This is not going to transcend, uh, or I don't even think it'll become a cult classic, Hmm. but I it's, this is a, 
the kind of film that we don't get anymore, I think, where it's ask some interesting questions, doesn't take itself too seriously, a great blend of fun and uh, solid cinematography and uh, decent script, and everything just comes together really well. Uh, it's It, it was a it was a great experience, and it's it was and wasn't what I expected in a lot of ways. But I I just I really enjoyed myself. This is this is it feels like a B science fiction exploitation movie that is actually way better than it has any right to be. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, um, it's it's reminiscent of the kind of I think sci-fi films that aren't in vogue anymore, um, reminiscent of, I think the easy comparison is RoboCop, but, uh, you know, some of the, maybe the more exploitative science fiction films of the eighties and nineties. And Mm -hmm. I had this, I don't, I had a, I had a lot of fun with this film. I did. Um, it's, it's deeply flawed in some ways, in some weird ways, uh, <laughs> and very uneven in some weird ways, but it just, it hit all the right beats. The pacing was good. The, the narrative was consistent. It didn't try too hard. It didn't, it, it wasn't trying to outsmart the audience or be unnecessarily clever. And there are some incredible set pieces uh, and great, some great action choreography, some really fun novel stuff. And it's, it's all in just a, a really well put together package. The movie doesn't run too long. Um, I, I'm really glad we saw this film. Th- this is the kind of film that I just, I think Blumhouse is going to be able to offer us that we're not going to get to see anywhere else, which is something fun and original that ends up being really, really compelling in a lot of ways, made on almost shoestring budget compared to what Hollywood is willing to entertain. So that that's kind of my bird's eye of the film. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I so you mentioned RoboCop. I explained it to coworkers today. Is it's like RoboCop meets the Lawnmower Man. Um, it's a very, uh, you know, interesting setup for a movie. And um, in the beginning, I was a little worried because it seemed really predictable. It seemed like um, a paint by numbers kind of mis mishmash of those eighties, nineties sci-fi movies. And I was kind of worried about uh, it being a little too safe but then uh it goes to another level and i was pleasantly surprised i really appreciated uh the set pieces in this movie um they're few and far between actually uh there's a lot less action than you would expect but the action is really well done uh inventive camera angles inventive camera work um use of the budget is is uh, this is a four million dollar budget for this movie. Um, Un- unbelievable! Yeah. Unbelievable! This film was made on four million dollars. Yeah, exactly, uh, and uh, a lot of practical effects went into this. Um, 
you know, I read a little bit uh, about the effects of the movie. Um, I think I think it was The Ringer did a nice piece about why everyone should see this movie, and um, because movies aren't made like this anymore, really. Um, I just this world felt real to me. It felt it felt like this was a, an actualized future in some way. Like I really appreciate the world building in this. Um, I, I agree with you. There are some issues I have with the movie. Um, there are some convenience conveniences in the plot. Just and there are things that just are left kind of up in the air and some weird connections that aren't connected <laughs> properly. But overall, I had a lot of fun. I mean, this is the kind of movie like, especially in the summer, this is the kind of movie I want to see. This is um, it's smart, but it's not. It's not okay. It's not dumb. Uh, but it's not smart, if that's the right way to put it. Like, it's just smart enough to be passable. Um, it doesn't try to... Uh, doesn't try to do too much with the characters or... Um, it just kind of it kind of just lets itself live and it, it breathes. And I just... I, I really I really like this movie. This, there's a chance this is going to make my top ten of the year because I really enjoyed myself. Uh, when I, I was... I was giddy when I left. Uh... And we'll get to the ending, but um, I was just, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a lot else to say. I think Logan Marshall Green or whatever the hell his name is, uh, is actually a pretty competent uh, leading man. Um, you mean budget Tom Hardy? Budget Tom Hardy, yeah. Off brand. Off brand Tom Me- Mega Hardy. Mega blocks Tom Hardy. He's the uh, Skeet Ulrich to Johnny Depp. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I, I think this movie felt like a, a short story in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it knows, it knows the scope of what it wants to address. Uh, and I was, I think really impressed by some of the, the, the film, when the film kind of takes the turn, you know, it's going to take, um, the um, kind of the emotional depth of the film even, uh, early on uh the ending is fantastic i there's just some weird unevenness about performances and things that feel like they're adr or weird post overdub audio that is kind of just strange and distracting but then you're like oh they made this movie for free (laughs) (laughs) so i probably shouldn't worry about that um but this is this just feels like this is just good original filmmaking. This film was made by somebody who loves film and is passionate and wanted to make this movie. Yeah. Um, it's it's a labor of love and it's I mean again, we probably shouldn't get too fixated on the budget, but uh if you told me this film was made on $30 million, I would have been like, they did a great job for $30 million. Mm-hmm. But it was made on $4 million. $4 million. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, inconsistent performances and some, maybe some bad dialogue. And I, I don't even, I didn't even mind any of my, any of the perceived lack of character development because I, f- I just, I felt like it was a, it's a very focused film. It's, it's an hour, not probably not even an hour and 40 minutes long, something like that. I think it's hour 40 on the dot. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah. So this is just, this is a great, like, this is a film I would love to see with my dad. I think Mm -hmm. he would really appreciate this film. It's both, it's a modern action film that acknowledges its roots. Uh, And I had a lot of fun. We're not going to see another film like this for a long time, if ever. Yeah, I agree. Uh, You ready to spoil the heck out of it? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) All right, let's downgrade. All right. See what I did there? Yeah. All right, we'll be right back with spoilers for Upgrade. What? Honey! Wow! Are you kidding me? Really? You just ruin it every time! I'll see you at home. Wait a second. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? And we're back, Colin. Spoilers. Uh Uh-huh. For Upgrade. Uh... So I don't, I don't really know exactly where I want to start. Um, you can feel free to jump in if you have any. Well, so as one thing that I don't know, I don't know if this is really a valid criticism, but or I guess it's not at all. <laughs> I, I felt like ob- objectively the fight scenes and the set pieces got less exciting hmm. as the film progressed. Interesting. Which is. Okay. Not how you normally see things, but I mean, think about how how well shot and how perfectly they captured the tone of Gray and Stem in that first, first scene, scene where yeah. he is lets him possess his body for the first time, and they set up that great great comic effect where he is just reacting to what his body is doing yeah. while yeah. he's murdering a man in a in hand to hand combat. Great. Mm-hmm. We're never gonna. I mean, that's never I, gonna happen again. That that is so that's something unique. Um, and there's some great camera work in that scene too. Yes, yes. Just fantastic, fantastic cinematography all around. And the next big action scene is in the bathroom, which I think was mm-hmm. also really well done, but doesn't get a chance to be as dynamic because it doesn't last long enough. True. There's, there's the choreography is great, but the scene itself I think doesn't have a chance to live up to the first scene, and then after that there's not a whole lot that happens. There's, there's kind of one more short fight scene when he meets, uh, I don't even remember the head hipster military guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, r- Robo hipster. Robo hipster. And that's that's really it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess there's a car chase scene that I thought was pretty good. Um, yeah, I I don't know how it, the 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 meat of that scene is kind of not super exciting or particularly stylized. Uh, yeah, I, that's true. I just I I didn't like dislike it, but I just kind of wasn't didn't find it particularly compelling. I thought the ramifications of what he was doing um, set the stakes going forward a little bit. It sure, raised him a little bit, and it's, I thought that yeah. was important for the for the for the movie. Con, no, con, contextually, yes, I understand yeah. what you're saying, but. Um. Yeah. No. You're right. I, I. Now that you say that, because really that last fight scene with like, the 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 uh, the boss fight, uh, with the mustached army guy, uh, it's really anticlimactic. Actually, I mean, it's a lot of like defensive moves. Like, you're you're supposed to see that these two are like evenly matched, and um, then he uses emotion to overcome him. Um, but that's kind of one of my. Actually, that's one of my beefs with the movie is that the villain, I'm not, so I'm not saying we need to, I'm not saying that we need to know more about this character or why he's the way he is necessarily, but 
I do think that it was a, a plot hole not understanding what his his computer chip was doing. Like, I, I couldn't understand if he had STEM in him, if he had another tech in his body, which obviously he did. I mean, I know these things are... But my point is, like, he can breathe nanobots? Like, that was a weird addition to that character and made him almost seem like invincible. Like why wouldn't he just use that whenever he could? Like none of that stuff is really explained in a sufficient way. It's not. And I think so for me, and I talked to you about this and I I don't want to be like repeating myself, but it, I, again, I got the sense of this movie having been informed by Deus Ex and the idea of a, generational gap between enhanced humans and we have this guy who has been physically augmented had you know mechanical parts added to his body but he's still a human with a human brain and then we have something else entirely Mm -hmm. um and it's kind of the so the the new generation versus the old generation um we you see that as a a trope in sci-fi. It's yeah. not not usually the new generation that is the 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 victor or the good guy actually. Um right. You, you know, uh, yeah. but that so that that's the setup I saw, you know, we have it's the the computer computerized brain and thinking and reaction times and perception um even without physical augmentation is more than a match for for the the person who has, you know, enhanced strength and speed or whatever. Um, And I want to be clear. Like, I I do appreciate what the movie does by not... Because if this movie was... If, you know, I'm just throwing aside. If Universal made this movie, it would have been two hours long and you would have spent, you know, 20 minutes of him connecting the dots between these guys and Cobalt and, you know... Sure. They would have pretended like he was the real bad guy and then... We, we would have extracted a confession and learned it was the person who's been helping you all along. Ex- and it would have been, yeah. Exactly. So I do appreciate the way the film handled that. Like, I don't want to sound like I don't. I just felt like there I there was just questions that were weirdly unanswered, I felt, in this movie um, when it came to that. But ultimately, and I think you kind of alluded to this in your pre-spoiler review, was like, it doesn't really matter. To, it doesn't really take away from the enjoyment of the movie because – what what you're there for is something else you know this isn't ex machina (laughs) you know what i mean like this is something else um and that ending oh my god i love that ending so much um because it it goes for it 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 100 goes for the ending that it's shooting for it doesn't hold back um yeah which is I don't know. I just, I love the ending. It is. It like that, the ending really cements this film's, I don't know, uh, or I think our feelings about the film. Yeah. Um, it just, they're not, after all that, they're not interested in doing the cliche audience pleasing route. They're really, this was what was happening all yeah. along. And it's, it just, it was great, subversive, funny, unexpected, I think, um, in some ways. And good for this film. 
for for uh, for being being true to itself. I think. Yeah, and again, I feel like if there was another studio or a studio that would meddled, they would have changed it. Uh, it would have been different. And I just the, there are it is I, I can't say this enough. Upgrade really does find its roots in those 80s early 90s action sci-fi movies and it dwells there um i hope that the you, you said you don't think it's going to be a cult classic i hope that it is like i hope that this to me this is the movie that i wouldn't have seen in a theater when i was younger but i would have found it on the blockbuster shelf and i would have watched it and i'd watch my friends and then we would have watched it again and we would have, you know, talked about Upgrade. And I would have had a poster of Upgrade on my wall. Like, that that's, to me, this type of movie. And that's the way I felt when I watched it. I, that's why I think I felt so giddy. Is it made me nostalgic in a weird, weird way. Um, because these movies aren't made anymore. And it's an original movie. That's what is so cool about it. You know, I never, I've, I've never seen anything completely like this before. Even though it felt familiar, it was different. You know? Yeah. I, you know what I found myself thinking about? This is totally an aside. Um, the, f- the first guy he kills is like obviously, I don't know. I, it's like he felt like he didn't feel the same as all the other people. Mm-hmm. He's He's got a house. There are drawings from a kid on the fridge. Yeah. He right. has a drug problem. He doesn't. Right. Like, he doesn't immediately kill or taunt. He's like, you shouldn't be here. Why are you here? What are you doing? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. I felt I felt like the film in putting him out there first. I think it's – and I think it's kind of something that maybe I didn't pick up, pick up on initially or uh, wasn't supposed to be – glaringly obvious maybe to the audience is uh just what it means for him to be the first life that's taken yeah. in this film yeah i agree um, with that and yeah and stem what that means says about stem and what it pretends for the future of the relationship between gray and stem and right because it doesn't feel it feels like uh uh yeah it feels that the, when you're watching it it feels almost like oh this the computer is just trying to survive. It's protecting its host. But you don't really understand the brutality of STEM and what is to come from that. Uh, which is great writing. I mean, that's excellent writing. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, and I don't know. To this film's credit, they actually may, they keep it subtle. So that, that was kind of bothered me in that scene. And then... It's a little more obvious the next time it happens, which is when he is torturing the guy in the bathroom and Stem takes it too far. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, well done. I, I I think in if the film were longer or made by a different filmmaker or if this were a different kind of film, um, that could have been drawn out. Uh, the that kind of the relationship and the struggle for control and whether or not gray can trust STEM and yeah. what's lurking under the surface. I think that could have worked well. Um, if, if that had been explored more, but there's, there's no reason it, it needed to be. I, I just, I think this film is, uh, works, works really well. Um, 
for its runtime and for for pacing and for what was addressed. Will you uh, will you ever watch this movie again? Yeah, I, I mean, again, like I, I kind of want to watch it with my dad and mm-hmm. see what he thinks. I could, but the we just have to get through. The, the beginning is so cheesy. It is. It's really cheesy. The, yeah, it's so bad. The dialogue um, between him and his wife is really bad. But then when when he's in a chair, actually, I thought that was. I agree. Like I, it was I, it was depressing, and yeah. I thought he for the unevenness of his performance in some scenes. Yeah. I thought he carried carried that part of the film and brought weights to his character very, very well. I was really impressed. And then he kind of undid it a little bit and I was very confused. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. I felt I felt that uneasiness too. I I did not like I could not wait for him to get stem put into his body. Because I was like, God, this is just brutal. Like yeah. I, I I mean I think again testament to the filmmakers because it's really hard in to come off an opening like that and yeah. then make us care about the character and believe his depression and hopelessness mm-hmm. with almost no characterization before that point. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or only characterization for the purpose of the you know narrative framework so like uh, the IMDb IMDb synopsis says a technophobe and I'm like I never. I got he's un like he doesn't love technology or he's like a little old fashioned, but I didn't get a technophobe. It definitely wasn't my the first thing that stuck out in my head. Um, but those synopses are always yeah. I I mean I I guess I could see that he's um, he's unmodified and that's weird. Sure, it's weird. It's weird. Uh, anything else you want to say, Colin, before we close out this show? No, I, I don't know. I don't know. No gun arms. Gun arms. Are overrated. They are overrated. There's a... <laughs> Never mind. Okay. There's... It reminds me of... There's... I can't remember what it is. There's some log in the... In the... In Deus Ex from... Is it Herman Gunther? Gunther Herman? So that... That game, you are the titular character, J.C. Denton. It, it's not a titular. The main... The protagonist, J.C. Denton, is the first of the nano augmented people and everyone before him has these like big mechanical Mm. cybernetic horrific looking augmentations um and there's this character that is just like he's like a walking tank and (laughs) you you find you there's there's a log somewhere where he's he's like he's talking about the efficiency of of one of his weapon gun arms or something and he's like you know tweaker shot me like three times with a 22 before i was able to activate arm cannon and it's like note to self like head head cannon or head gun or so you know i don't know it's just yeah yeah. anyway (laughs) that's what the gun arm reminded me of is is uh i think it's gunther i did i did laugh when uh the one guy cocks his gun he's like yeah does like a flexing motion yeah, lo- loading loading the shells into his bicep. Yeah. Um, well, Colin, it looks like uh, Hereditary is uh, going to be the movie of choice next week. And um, I'm genuinely excited, man. Uh, I, I know that you didn't really want to see this movie, and I'm forcing you to see it. But uh, um, it's, uh, it's got a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes right now. 
Um, That's pretty solid. Who did this movie? I forget. Is, is it a woman or... Do you remember? No, I don't know. Uh, Ari Aster wrote and directed this movie. So... Okay. Ari... Ari... Ari Raster. So, not, not really known for anything um, to note. Like, you wouldn't know anything, but... Um, I'm Gabriel Byrne, Tony Collette. That's a solid uh, duo right there in this movie. Um, yeah, I think that's what we're going to be seeing next week. And this is like one of those movies that just fits right into our wheelhouse. This is what listeners love. This this is perfect. That's true. 87 Metascore. Some good, that's some good stuff right there. Um, so yeah, that looks like what we'll be seeing next week. Uh, anything else, Colin? No, I, I mean, I think that's going to do it for us. Where again, where why, why don't don't the good horror films come out around Halloween anymore? Was that ever a thing, or do we just imagine that? No, I think uh, I think we made it up. But you know what's great about this, though, Colin, is at the very least you get to see one more horror movie with me because I'm going to make sure I see this movie with you. So you at least get to experience my screams one more time. I feel like we're never going to see each other again. Um, but well, good. I can't wait for uh, for something to go horribly wrong in the theater. Yeah, I'm sure that I'll sit beside a teenage girl with her phone, and uh, there will be a woman with smelly feet uh, behind me. Uh, that would... At the, I mean, at the very least, I think that would be uh, I think that would be pretty pretty tame compared to some of the things that have happened. <laughs> Touche. We'll see. Um, oh dang! You know what? I just forgot, and what? I'm sad that I missed it. So, uh, listener Travis Mikule, who's written in a couple weeks ago, he was he mentioned to me today the um, in a text message about Suicide Squad, and or no, we were talking about the Joker, and uh, he's uh, I'm gonna get get this right, and because I was like I'm gonna use that on the podcast, I loved it, and I freaking forgot. <laughs> this is this is what he said. Ready? Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman was good. The trailer for Suicide was good. That's about it. Talking in reference to DC. So DC's done two things. Wonder Woman was good, and then the trailer for Suicide Squad. Yeah, and they hired, in that order. They hired an outside production company to <laughs> cut the trailer for Suicide Squad to Man. trick trick people into seeing it. Um, yeah, I wish I would have set, brought that up at the beginning of the show when we actually talked about this. Yeah, uh, I blew it. Par for the course. Right, right. You blew it. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side. Okay, bye.